Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. All right, and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm super excited for today's podcast because I had the pleasure of reconnecting with Sandra, who is the voice behind Chronically Driven, which is a podcast about being in the driver's seat when it comes to our health and well-being, mind, body, and soul. Amazing. Now, as you all know, I have a passion for helping those with chronic disease. Duh. And today's story is actually my story. I had the ability to talk about what I went through this year and from January all the way to having surgery and then beyond. And we talk a lot about the importance of self-care. And for us with chronic disease, self-care is just so important. It is the number one. So without further ado, here's Sandra and I having a great time together. Okay, ready to go. Becky Gale, thank you so much for joining me here again. It's been um, it's been a hot minute since we've had a chance to chat. Yeah, I know. Actually, I'm trying to think at the back of my head when we did, probably last summer, I think, in the middle of all of COVID when everybody didn't know what's going on kind of thing. So probably almost a year that we've spoken. Probably. Almost a year. Yeah, I know we follow each other's journeys and lives on on Mm -hmm. social media but um there was you've been through a bit of a fork in the road lately that Mm -hmm. um prompted me to want to get you on here so we could share a bit of your story so um what you been up to in these past few months becky yeah no you know i really appreciate you having me on your show sandra because uh you know it's I have a podcast myself, as you know, and I get to hear a whole bunch of other people's stories. And sometimes it's just nice to tell yours, especially, you know, this, the past, since January, I've learned so much. And one, you know, in January, I decided to do way too much stuff and I forgot about my own self-care. And uh, my fiance and I, we decided to buy a new house and we had to sell a condo and sell another house in order to buy this house. And then we decided to get a dog in the middle of it, like a little puppy. So oh my gosh. Real, real estate <laughs> transactions, there's so much to that. And it's a combination. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good excitement, mm-hmm. which is takes away which is draining and stressful but there's also a lot of it's such a huge undertaking and I know anytime you go through that it's like there's there's a lot Mm -hmm. and so you thought that wasn't enough you thought you'd had a puppy yeah exactly I know I don't know what I was thinking honestly no you know what I was thinking I was thinking I don't have a disease anymore because I was in remission for such a long time okay so let's back up for people that (laughs) don't know your your story you um you're the you are the brains and the driving force between be um, behind cure chronic Mm -hmm. which is an amazing podcast and you bring people with a variety of chronic illnesses to share their story. And your story from this was sharing for someone who had, had a diagnosis of Crohn's disease. Yes. Yes. So I was diagnosed Crohn's back in 2011, 2012 timeframe sort of thing. So, but I, I ended up having, so I had the symptoms of Crohn's disease for about five or six years prior to that. So I've been living with this diagnosis of Crohn's for probably 15 years now. Yeah. So, but like I said, I was in remission for a year without any medication and I was doing really well, lots of self-care. I really attribute, I think, a lot of my remission over the past year, well, 
from January to January last year to yeah. meditation and cold exposure. I was following yeah. uh, this guy named Wim Hof and he has this awesome, awesome thing. It's the Wim Hof breathing technique. I will praise it up and down all day, every day, but that with the cold exposure, it's crazy because cold exposure is one of the best things for inflammation. People that have arthritis like you, Sandra, mm -hmm. people that have Crohn's disease and colitis and that sort of thing. It's actually been scientifically proven that it helps reduce the inflammation, reduce the cortisol levels within the body and make your cells pretty much work in a normal way, which is amazing. So, you know, I attribute a lot of my wow. remission over the last year. And I say that, like, you know, January to January um, is a lot to do with that. And the crazy thing is, is when, when we were buying this house and selling the other houses and all this stuff came up, just like you say, it's super, super, super stressful. The weird thing was in February sometime, like maybe the first or second week of February, I stopped doing it for uh -huh. some reason. I don't know why. Maybe I just, you know, thought to myself, oh, it's not working. I'm so stressed out, blah, blah, blah. But I was also getting sick. And so, you know, it's, it's almost like when I stopped doing the cold exposure, when I stopped doing the meditation, it's almost like I let the disease take over and it started to get so bad. And instead of thinking, okay, I need to think about ways that I can control this as opposed to, oh my gosh, my flare up is getting so bad and letting it control my thoughts. Right. Uh -huh. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's just, it's so counterintuitive, but it's so interesting that when we start feeling unwell, we start going into a flare. That's mm -hmm. the time when we should be amping up and putting the self-care in whatever forms mm -hmm. that, that comes in number one, number one priority, because I mean, we, we know this stuff, we know the stuff that works and, mm -hmm. and, and yet your, the busyness in your life and everything was, was ramping up. And yet the tools that you had breathing techniques, the cold therapy, why did that go to the wayside? Right, exactly. I have no idea. It's, you know, I know one of the big things that really caught me off, well, caught me off guard, LOL. I've had puppies in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the hard things was, is not sleeping at night because of the dog. You know, he was crying all night long. You have to take them outside. And then of course, on top of that, I started to flare. And so it was almost like sheer exhaustion and stress. And then I had to stop working for a little while. And it's like, you know, I was sick, I was laying in bed and that would have been the most opportune moment for me uh -huh. to be like, okay, Becky, like, let's start doing your, your breathing techniques and let's do this and let's do that. And then anyways, long story short, in the middle of all of this, actually, and uh, it's, it's a crazy story, but in the middle of all of this, I had a GI doctor that was ignoring me. Uh -huh. He wouldn't return my phone calls and I was in and out of the hospital getting IV steroids. And one of the doctors at the hospital here in Golden, and I live in a town that's super, super small. Uh -huh. It's 3,600 people. And so we don't have a surgical team. We don't have a GI doctor. We don't have any specialists here. We just have regular family doctors kind of thing. And so as my, like, and my inflammation is getting worse. My disease is taking over. Um, my GI doctor is not responding to me. And I'm like, ah, do I go on steroids? Like, what do I do? My family doctor was actually more helpful to me than my GI doctor was. And so there was a, the emergency doctor that was on one day. She said to me, you know, I was able to contact your GI in Kelowna. Um, he says, what, 
medication do you want to go back on? And um, we'll start the process for that. And so I said that I wanted to go on the medication Remicade that I was on previously that put me into remission for like five years. Um, but he wanted to put me on a medication that I was on previously um, a year ago kind of thing. And one of the reasons why I got off this medication was because the doctor put me on too much and it caused an arthritis flare up. Like my wrists were golf balls. It was so bad. And so I actually said to him, you know, I don't want to go on this medication anymore. It's not working. It's causing all this pain. I'm just going to try to do it on my own. So then I was in remission for a year with no medication. And then when he came back to me and said, oh yeah, we want to put you on Inflectra. And I said, do you not do you not remember how bad that was for my body and how this and that? And so anyways, needless to say, I said, no, like I'm going to have to switch GI doctors because you're not listening to me. You're, you don't have my best interests in mind. That's clear because I'm flaring like crazy and you're not listening to me. You don't even, you know, no plans of doing any type of scope, et cetera, et cetera. So in the middle of all of it, I ended up having to switch GI doctors. And the crazy thing was at the beginning of March, I was contacted by a doctor from Fernie. Both of these places are four hours away. And she said, the only time that I have available to do a scope to see what's actually happening is on the 25th of March. And she contacted me on the 2nd of March. Mm. So I had, you know, three weeks of trying to figure this out on my own. Um, within that three weeks, I was going into the hospital every single day, basically getting IV steroids, getting painkillers. And I think one of the problems too, is when you're given narcotics, mm -hmm. it really dampens for me anyways, it really dampens, you know, any type of self care and any type of you know, you end up getting the painkillers and then, okay, fine, you might go to sleep or something like that, but it really dumbs down your brain and it really makes you, it almost not necessarily addicted to wanting to get more painkillers, but because it takes away your pain, uh -huh. you want it more, even though sometimes had I been doing those cold showers, like the cold showers and the meditation and the mind control and, and controlling your thoughts and that kind of thing, because narcotics really only take away 20% of your pain, right? Wow. It's really at like at the most. And so, but I think what ends up happening, and then the more narcotics that you take, the more your body gets used to them. And then the more narcotics you just keep having to take sort of thing. So it's just a cycle of bad on bad on bad. So when I started taking those narcotics, it's almost like that took over for any type of self-care or any type of control that I had for myself for the past year. So, and then, um, so finally the three weeks go by and at this time I've pretty much lost about 30 pounds. So I was 125 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. I was wow. skinny, 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 skinny. It was scary. And the doctor, um, she did the scope for me and it was so bad that she was like, you have severe inflammation in your colon and you have all sorts of deep lacerations your bowel could perforate at any moment you're so lucky you haven't died oh my and gosh so, yeah it was really scary and so she ended up calling so I guess she used to work for a major hospital in Calgary and so she called her team up in Calgary and said look at this girl's coming to Calgary and she's gonna she's pretty much uh you're gonna have to get surgical um what is it called? A surgical co consultation. 
um, because at this stage of the game, your 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 bowel, your we're not going to be able to save it with medication, basically. And that's a so, dangerous situation to be mm-hmm. in. If you're if that would have happened, oh yeah, um, especially in the small community that you mm-hmm. live in, that's really that's that's not always something you can come back from. No, and the scary thing is too. I mean, living in a small town like this, people don't understand invisible disease, and so my experience here in, in, and I, you know, tread lightly with this one, but I had a couple nurses that weren't listening to me. And they basically said, we can't give you any more painkillers because, you know, like you're not in that much pain. Why don't you take some deep breaths? And I'm like, okay, this is fine. So, you know, it's just frustrating uh, like all sorts of people around the world that have invisible disease and that have people that don't, listen to you because they just don't believe you or they they can't see it right i could be in excruciating i'm crying in pain blah 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 and then because they don't see it the pain on the exterior it's like it's not believable kind of thing (laughs) they don't they don't see it and what they do see the reality of the matter is is there is a segment of the population that are drug seeking and Mm -hmm. they present in the hospitals for 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 that reason and so Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of part of the you know the sort of training and like you make that that point if we're we're it seems like there's not something visibly outlined that's Mm -hmm. i mean that but that's so that's so discouraging that's so disheartening Mm -hmm. and um you know it's just from what i'm hearing there's like layer after layer after layer of things that are just building up to be like the perfect storm oh yeah it was it was just dangerous and 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 so anyways i ended up getting into calgary and it was crazy because it's like they had opened up the red carpet for me like they're like oh you're becky gale okay great come on back come on here down. what <laughs> what medication do you want and we're going to do this test and you're doing this wow. and we're going to take this blood it was like i had 10 people on me all at once it was crazy i've never experienced that in a hospital in my life it was honestly amazing i have to praise every single person at the Calgary Foothills hospital because they were just phenomenal sort of things. So yeah, it was, it was really scary. I ended up spending two and a half weeks at the hospital in in Calgary. And then I ended up spending half a week here in uh, golden. So it was a total of three weeks. And um, the crazy thing was, is I had spoken to a GI doctor and they put me on a medication for the first week when I was in Calgary and I was getting better, which was really crazy. Yeah. I, um, you know, I really, it was funny because they had a bathtub. So I had my own room to myself, which was crazy. But I mean, it was because I was actually on isolation. I wasn't lucky. It was because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, I, I had a bathtub in my room and I was oh. like, oh my God, I can have a cold bath every single day. Do the Wim Hof stuff. So I started doing the Wim Hof again and I started doing oh, the, okay. the breathing technique and I started doing all the self-care stuff. And it's like my inflammatory markers went when I first got in there from 200 and pretty much overnight they went down to 50. But I was on lots of prednisone, lots of steroids. I was on, the GI doctor gave me um, a really, really, really intense medication for ulcerative colitis. And it was funny too, because they kept saying that I had colitis and not Crohn's. I was like, what the heck? Anyways, I digress. Um, So the strange thing was, and I don't know if you've ever been on steroids, like really strong doses of steroids before, but what happens with corticosteroids is your body might not be getting better. You just feel better because it gives you like this pseudo 
feeling of feeling great. Oh, you get, you get yeah. feeling like you're some sort of superhero. In a yes. Way, right? yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. So Saturday, I, I got admitted to the Calgary hospital on Thursday by sa- Saturday, Sunday, I was starting to feel better, 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 better. And so I was actually supposed to go home that Thursday and uh, my inflammatory markers were going down, 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 down. And then Wednesday rolls around and I'm getting ready to go. And the doctors are like, yeah, we're going to get all your papers ready for Thursday morning, blah, blah, blah. My inflammatory markers were at 20. Hmm. I was like, perfect. Awesome. I feel great. Thursday morning rolls around and it's April 1st, just to top it all off. And uh, anyway, so the GI doctor comes in and she's like, Becky, we can't let you go home. Your, your, your inflammatory markers have just doubled and your platelet count is through the, through the roof, whatever that means. Mm. And I said, this is, this is literally the worst April Fool's joke ever. <laughs> so anyways, they ended up giving me, um, they ended up having to do an, like an, an emergency sigmoid. And, and uh, because I had eaten breakfast, I had to do it without any type of sedation. So that was outrageously oh. painful. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a good thing because yeah. I had the ability to actually see my colon and see how bad it was. And the doctor that did the, funny enough, the doctor that did the scope, he was like a resident from my GI doctor. And so he oh. actually called her on the cell phone. was like, this girl needs surgery. Oh. So anyways, um, and to top everything all off because of COVID, I was not able to see anyone. I wasn't allowed to walk around the hospital because I was in isolation because I had diarrhea, not because of COVID, because of the fact that I have a disease. <laughs> anyways. So I wasn't able to see anybody. And because that day I was supposed to go home, my fiance was in town and the GI doctor was nice enough to, um, she said, you know, if this scope comes back really badly, then, you know, we'll let you see your fiance and you can talk to him and this Uh and that sort of thing. So obviously the scope came back and it was like nothing, nothing had gotten better. Even though I was feeling so, so, so good, it's like nothing was better at all. And uh, they had to do a ultrasound because they weren't able to get that much of the test done because it was so painful for Uh me. uh So the ultrasound was actually like an hour long. It was brutal. And so I talked to the the GI doctor that day and she's like, yeah, we're going to have to get you a surgical consult in the morning and you're going to have to have your colon taken out. And I was like, what? This is great. (laughs) Yeah. So I talked to, so they let me leave the hospital for a couple of hours and I went and talked to Tony for a little while. And the GI doctor basically said to me, you know, if we let you go home now and your bowel perforates, you, you will most likely die because you'd have to drive all the way back to Calgary, which is three hours away from where I live because there's no, again, no surgical team here. So I said that to my fiance and he said to me, you know, Becky, I'd rather have you with a bag than no Becky at all. And I said, no, you're right. So it was okay because it was, it was a good thing that I ended up having that conversation with him Uh and it it obviously was life-changing surgery and it was, you know, it's, it's terrifying going through all this alone kind of because Uh you're not allowed to see anybody because of the pandemic, which was awful, but it was okay because I ended up um, speaking to the GI doctor the next day and I said, you know, like just schedule the surgery. I'm just going to have this done. So mm-hmm. by Monday I had the surgery at six o'clock and Tuesday was a terrible day because surgery pain is awful. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the next week, I was starting to feel better. I was starting to eat foods again, which is crazy. I wasn't getting the crazy nausea and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's, it's, 
I, I truly believe that there's a silver lining to everything. And even though I had to go through that surgery and I had to go and, you know, get a temporary bag, it's like, I'm uh, just over a month post-surgery and we're going for runs outside. We're taking the dogs for a walk. I'm eating regular foods. I can actually eat more foods now than I did before when I had my colon. It's crazy. So... That's an, that's an incredible, um, incredible story, an incredible sequence of events. And, you know, just the circumstances of the urgency of it, it made a tough decision, a life altering, like it, it was a no brainer. There wasn't, there wasn't an, an option. And so going through that, how long did you have to stay in Calgary? Uh, it was two and a half weeks. So I was mm-hmm. admitted, I think the 25th of March and I was there until the 11th. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, there's so, there's so many things. I mean, we talked about how the, the self-care and the, and the Wim Hof, actually you were the one <laughs> that enter, really introduced me to after, you know, when we talked a year yeah. ago, I had heard of Wim Hof, but since then I've done, I've started doing the breathing stuff and it's, you know, it's like some amazing, amazing stuff. I encourage people to, to look into that. Mm-hmm. But two of the things that, that you mentioned that, that I kind of wanted to, to explore is that while there is no guarantee that if you would have been on top of all of that stuff that you wouldn't have had a flare and that this wouldn't happen. There is something to be said that we, those of us that live with chronic conditions, that when we do discover these things like meditation, which is mm-hmm. huge and mm-hmm. the other things you and I, we, we both also, we use, we use essential oils. We yes. use ways to, and this is key, no matter, there's so many ways that you can do this, but finding a way to manage our response to stress mm-hmm. because it's still, you still would have had the stressful things with the house and all of that, mm-hmm. but to be able to take that time for us to replenish and, and do all of that. I feel that once we find those tools, mm-hmm. we get success from them. When we step away from them, our body goes into it's sort of a little bit of a little bit of a, a shock and a deprivation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and darn it if we can't have like some sort of a thing to you know that little someone that comes like Becky Sandra Mm -hmm. now's I'm your self-care fairy (laughs) godmother and I'm here to tell you that this is a really important time for you to do your whim you know I just doesn't happen but then you said another thing and that when we're on on narcotics that it sort of numbs as the you know just the whether it's the the inspiration or the desire or that, that connection to that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the cognitive impairment mm-hmm. that comes from the, and it, cause I think yeah. we've talked before and I know we're both on the same page, mind, mm-hmm. body, spirit, all connected, the mind, body connection. And so when we basically deprive ourselves from that, I think our bodies sometimes go into like a fight or flight. Yes. And then when we put med- medication on top of that, Mm-hmm. We sort of mask our innate ability to replenish and care. And yes, I mean, all of these things, medical intervention, inter- like I said, no one, no one is to say you would not have gone down this, this road, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's a valid thing that on hindsight, you can look back and you can say, interestingly, I stopped taking care. I stopped making myself the priority. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think there has a lot to be said in regards to 
not having control of your thoughts. I think that's the biggest thing. Had I, fine, I didn't do my Wim Hof. I stopped doing my meditation, but I stopped controlling my thoughts and I let them take over and go and spiral in and out of control. Why is this happening to me? Why am I so sick? I feel so sick. I feel so bad. This is getting bad. This keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Why can't I eat? Blah, 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 blah. And so it's all these negative, negative, negative thoughts. And instead of being like, okay, my colon is not a happy camper right now. So I'm going to do what I can in order to heal, in order to calm down. Because at the end of the day, all that was happening in my body was just an increased level of cortisol levels, which Uh then increased my uh, white blood cell count. So, okay, what do I have to do in order to lower my stress levels? But for some reason, it's like, I just let everything build and build and build and build and get worse and worse and worse. And on top of that, I wasn't sleeping at night. Uh And so having the ability to control our thoughts. And that's why meditation is so good because uh-huh, uh-huh. it's controlling your mind. It's healing your body. Just like you say, the mind body connection with your spirit. And so I think that's just so, so, so important with anybody on this planet, but most, most importantly, people with disease, because we are the ones that need to have a much stronger connection with our mind, body, spirit, yes. more so than the regular average Joe, whatever mm. you want to call them, mm-hmm. because our bodies are flawed. Our bodies, for whatever reason, your response to stress, you flare up, you get arthritis. My response to stress, stress excuse me, I flare up and I have a messed up colon. And so, Uh you know, but for example, the thoughts, the the thoughts, when you are enumerating over and over again, why is this how I'm so sick, this thing, Mm -hmm. um, this pain, like we're basically in my belief system, putting it out there to the universe, uh, you know, uh, a mirror, the, whether you call it law of attraction or, Mm -hmm. you know, affirmations or whatever it is, when we start getting in that, and I'm, and I'm not in, 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 believe you me, I understand when things mm-hmm. get rough and it, like, that's our, that it's, it can be our go-to to yeah. think that way. That's human nature. But mm-hmm. again, that's why having these things to bring and to calm that process down. Cause if we can't get out of here, it just, you know, it just builds up. You're, you're, you're totally right. What you put out into the universe will come back to you. So if you have a mindset of negativity, if you have a mindset of fear, if you have a mindset that you're going to get sick, you can never get healthy. You'll never lose the weight. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. Well, you're not going to. And, and I'm a prime example of that because in February and March, I was so afraid. I was so scared because how can I wait until the 25th to have that scope. That's too long. You know, how could yeah. I possibly live? I can't eat. I can't do this. La, 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 la. You know, instead of having a mindset of, okay, I have 25 days to try to heal. I have 25 days to, you know, and almost make like a positive goal out of it. But instead of doing that, I just sat in bed and tried to not die, I guess. So there's, there's, I just feel like people who are flaring, people who are dealing with pain and people who are dealing with, um, especially with new, new diagnosis, having the ability to control your thoughts and having the ability to just stay positive throughout the situation. Because as soon as I found out that, um, my inflammatory markers were going down in the hospital, my mindset changed. It's like, I turned into a new person. It's like, okay, I can deal with this. It's fine. 
But then as soon as I found out that on the Thursday, when I had that other scope and the guy was like, Hey, we need to put you in for a surgical consult. It was like, all those negative feelings came rushing back and it was just, and to top it all off, the crazy thing was that Thursday when he said that to me and all my mindset changed, it's, it's almost like I wasn't in the hospital for a whole week and all of the pain came flooding back. Uh Right. So how much of it was my positive mindset helping the pain? And then all of a sudden my negative mindset affecting the pain and making it worse. So it's, it's very interesting. And it's fascinating. And so much of this has, it, you know, it made people maybe hearing this and thinking, oh, you know, they're talking about positive mindset and meditation and this, it's woo-woo stuff, but we're actually talking about chemistry and science yes. because <laughs> hormones in our body, when um, things like cortisol or the fight or flight, when we, those are, those are natural, that's not made up stuff. That's, that's mm-hmm. physiology. That's what happens within, within our body. And when we are in prolonged states of that, that's when the deterioration happens to anybody. You're you're 100%, any age, any fitness level, any level of health, if Mm -hmm. you are in a continual state of agitation, worry, fear, it... Your, and, and that starts plaguing your thoughts and plays on loop and repeat. Mm-hmm. There are, there are things that are happening within you that can get really out of control and you're like very unbalanced. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And that interestingly enough, talking about that whole concept and I've read a bunch of books in the past, I'm not a doctor first of all, I'm going to put out, that out there, but interestingly enough, People who have repressed emotions and repressed trauma, like trauma that they haven't dealt with in the past, if they had an abusive uh, upbringing or if they had, this is totally off topic here, but if they had a really bad car accident or, uh-huh. you know, PTSD of some kind, but they don't deal with that appropriately in a, in a concept that whether you go to therapy or you get some type of, um, external, like if you want to go and do ayahuasca, for example, Uh or whatever, um, or if you just talk to your family and friends about your situation, that repressed emotions and that repressed trauma that you haven't dealt with, whether it was when you were five years old or if you were 25 years old, whatever that trauma is, it's still inside you and it eats away at you. And that's what causes disease. Really, really interesting. And uh, I truly believe that's what causes most cancers. Like, I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, I think that that is, that is an area of health, wellness, medicine, whatever you want to, to say, that mm-hmm. needs to be put more on a platform. Now, there's a reason, mm-hmm. if you were to ask me why these things are not celebrated and talked about, because it is counterintuitive to some pretty big industries and business out there, which I'll just, I, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not in the best interest of the large pharmaceutical companies for us to find ways within to tap into our, to our health and wellness. But yeah, when we, when we don't, I mean, you you mentioned, you mentioned um, just the, the, the illness that can, can crop up in cancer. And even on our our last podcast that we talked about the, the, the book, uh, when the body says no by Gabriel Mate. I mean, it's just, it, it's that, that sort of thing. And this, what we are talking about right here, Becky, you mentioned, about trauma 
when it is, and, and that can mean any, a variety of things. And it can actually be a very, very small, small thing, but mm-hmm. when that is not processed and dealt with, so many of the holistic um, ways of being recognize that very strongly as something that's mm-hmm. very important, whether that you're looking at um, get, get seeking psychological help mm-hmm. or last, uh, last episode, I was just speaking to someone who does shamanic healing. All mm-hmm. of that is dealing and processing through this past trauma. And it's, it's something that, it, I mean, you can make such a significant difference when you do that. Oh, yeah. And the interesting thing about that is you literally change as a human being once you've, once you've, once you've dealt with that trauma. And like, you're right, you don't, everybody deals with trauma differently. And you don't necessarily have to go to 10 years of therapy to help deal with your trauma, but even just talking about it or, or sitting with it and accepting it, whatever you want to call it, that sort of thing. And you know, you did mention big pharma. And you're right. I, it's just crazy to think that there's actually a really good book I just read and it's all about the mind body connection and chronic pain and how repressed trauma actually causes chronic pain. And so of course, if you have this, you go to the doctor and you say, okay, like what's wrong with my back? What's wrong with my back? They go send you to all these tests and this and that, and then there's nothing that's wrong with you. So it's all in your head. It literally is all in your head. And so you have to go and deal with that. But as soon as you go to see a real doctor, they're just going to prescribe you medication that's not actually going to help. And so that's the interesting thing that I love about holistic medicines and that sort of thing and holistic top treatments and whatever, uh-huh. because I, I really, so there's a quote out there that says a doctor will heal superficial things like, um, Uh, emergency things like you need surgery, we'll cut this out of you, you need stitches, we'll stitch you up, you have a car accident, okay, perfect. It's it's, it's emergency trauma as opposed to emotional trauma. Whereas if you go see a shaman, they will literally heal your mind, body and soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted, uh, I just jotted down here too. I think that all of this, this undealt with unprocessed I'm going to add along with trauma, it can be Mm -hmm. holding on to things like Mm -hmm. anger or Mm -hmm. resentment. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of um, work and I've shared this before on the, on the program uh, about um, going through and letting, letting go and releasing resentments Mm -hmm. that I had held on for a long time. And it's like you say, you almost become a different person. There's Mm -hmm. something like, is it spiritual? Is it cellular? Is it, I don't know what it is, but once you effectively deal with that, it's, it's like a, a piece. It, it just, it, it fixes and it, and it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the way that I like to look at it is, you know, whatever you're holding on to is very negative And that, that piece there is, you know, it's taking up your energy, it's taking up your time, it's taking your health. And so as soon as you start to deal with that trauma or whatever that is, the anger, et cetera, et cetera, it opens up that capacity in your body to accept more love, accept more positivity. I think that it has a lot to do as well as when you release that trauma, you have a lot more self-compassion for yourself as well. Um, The book that I was thinking of though, Mm. it's actually called The Divided Mind. It's by Dr. John Sarno really interesting book. Um, maybe we can put it into the podcast description. To Let's re- put it, for yeah, in the notes. Yeah. 
just because it talks about how that repressed emotion, um, it actually turns into anger. And so a lot of what happens is, is we have less patience, we have less mm-hmm. understanding, we have less compassion, we snap at people instead of trying to understand what they're talking about sort of thing. And it's not that you're an angry human being or that you're a grumpy bear, if you will. It's because you have repressed trauma that is coming out as anger. And, and if you add to that something like mm-hmm. chronic pain on top of it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's uh, that's 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. I mean, I just feel like there needs to be in elementary schools, um, any type of education on this, but they never will, but they will teach you about the different medications that help with, I don't know, whatever, chronic pain. (laughs) The, the interesting thing, just kind of going back to the divided mind as well, is he actually does treatments for people with chronic pain Mm -hmm. and people will go in there with different stiffnesses and this and that sort of thing. And he has a success rate of like 92% and he doesn't give his patients any drugs, nothing. It's just therapy. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, I just feel like that has something to say about people living with chronic pain. How much of your chronic pain isn't actually pain, it's trauma. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the same thing with disease. I mean, how much of your disease is flaring because of repressed emotions and repressed trauma and that sort of thing. And that's not to say all disease. I know that a lot of autoimmune disease has to do with stress, which Uh where's your stress coming from kind of thing. Again, I'm not a doctor. This is just stuff that I've learned along the way. Uh (laughs) You know, of course there are people out there that have legitimate diseases and it's just their faulty bodies, but even still with your faulty body, it doesn't mean that you have to not look after yourself and have that self-care. And, you know, I, I, th- I honestly believe that people with disease, ah, let's be real. Every single person on this planet mm-hmm. should have some type of meditation regime. <laughs> oh, I mean, over and over again, that mm-hmm. is, that, that is a common denominator and it's coming up more and more into the, into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I like to add when, when, when talking around this, this discussion is we're talking about things about, you know, um, things in our thoughts and our feelings. And if we're just, you know, trapped, mm-hmm. um, suppressed emotions, this is not to say that implying that you are causing and you are at fault for yeah. your, what you are experiencing. It is a, um, a trigger point and mm-hmm. it is something that contributes to the fact that we already do have, we are susceptible for whatever reason that we have become more sensitive to this. And it could be, it could be a, a trauma situation. Mm-hmm. we're we're not at fault for it but what mm-hmm. if we could play a role in resolving it taking mm-hmm. this concept a little a little further of going when we do find ways to work with and release through past trauma or things that we're holding on to i like to think of you know the phrase of instead of thinking of things why is this happening to me why is this happening for me and searching mm-hmm. for the opportunity in the lesson. Mm-hmm. And I feel my way of belief is that that's part of what we are here in this life for is to learn mm-hmm. lessons. And if we are learning the lesson, it is not because we have received a pharmaceutical uh, situation to mask or leave our symptoms. It is learning the lesson, maybe mm-hmm. doing some 
doing some shadow work, going through, going through therapy, even just having the courage to address and talk about things that have, have taken place because it's that mm-hmm. suppression, mm-hmm. damping it down when we don't feel safe or encouraged or to speak our truth. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's where a lot of, a lot of growth and healing and the next wave of, of wellness is more understanding mm-hmm. of that. Absolutely. And you're totally right because, you know, why do people bottle things down? Well, it's because of the fact that it's a stigma. You don't want to talk about your emotions. You don't want to talk about your feelings. And, you know, somebody's dealing with X trauma, whatever. Well, I don't go to therapy. Therapy is for blah, blah, blah. Therapy is probably one of the scariest and strongest things that a person can do because Mm -hmm. you are literally going in there being vulnerable to a total stranger, talking about your major, major, major problems and then you come out of it a better person. Like, I just, I don't understand why people think that therapy is for weak people. It's not. No, it's <laughs> not. And I even like how there is so much, there is the, and lots of, lots of respect for the classic counseling and psychological mm-hmm. um, therapy sessions, but there's also other forms and other ways that totally. you can, that you can and deal with that, whether, and just finding, finding a way to be able to, to heal and to, to, to speak our truth. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of of coaches that can help with that and Mm -hmm. being able to, you mentioned the, the stigma, stigma of not wanting to, to talk about that. And also when you're with your family and family and friends, they often want to try and fix us and try and try and put their, you know, their experiences where you go to someone in a professional capacity whether that be a psychologist, a counselor, or, or a life or trauma coach, or, or a shamanic uh, practitioner, mm-hmm. this putting your, taking that, that leap of faith to do it, and allowing, gifting yourself with the ability to explore and to heal things from that side of the, the whole equation. I think there's so much value in that. Oh, absolutely. And I think that you're totally right in a sense that, you know, this is kind of a health of the future, maybe not in a whole sense, but there are so many people out there that are asking questions that are seeking different um, therapies because the Western medicines of the world are just not working for so many different people. And, you know, that's exactly what happened to me when I first got diagnosed. My flare-up would not go away. It was so, so, so bad. I was in and out of the hospital all the time. I was on tons of prednisone. I was on quadruple dose of Humira, which was a, another biologic back in the day. And so finally, finally, um, actually my stepmom told my dad about that book, When the Body Says No. And I actually went down on an ayahuasca retreat with Dr. Gabor Mate. Oh. And, and crazy enough, ayahuasca, there's a, we could do a whole other podcast on that. We but yeah. Um, so when I went down there, I was on so much medication. It was terrible. And when I came back, my disease was 96% gone. It's unbelievable. I was gone for a week <laughs> and I was suffering for years. Let me put yeah. that out there. And yeah. so it's like, as, pe- as people with disease, as people who have an illness, whatever, like one of the biggest things that my disease taught me is how to listen to my body right? This isn't working. And you know what? February, March, I was not listening to my body. Let's be real. And you're right. It's not that it was my fault. It's just, there were so many things that were getting in the way of me listening to my body 
And I, I just, I got overwhelmed with them. The stress, not sleeping, the dog, the house, the this, the that, la, 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 you want to, whatever. And so, you know, it's, it's up to us to advocate for ourselves, to find different therapies, to find something that works and just keep trying. Don't give up on yourself because the thing is, is at the end of the day, your health is wealth and we need to try to heal whatever it takes, whether it's meditation, healing. And that being said, Western medicines are not bad. I don't disagree mm-hmm. with Western yep. medicines. We like, I think that we totally need the medical system. We need doctors. We need this. We need that. But it would be really cool to see a collaboration of Western and Eastern medicines to say, okay, what you're going through, you need an ER doctor here, go to this hospital, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And what you need over here, you need a shaman. So you're going to go over here, do these ceremonies or whatever it is and heal your body, mind, spirit. So depending on what we're all going through, it just, you know, depends on what our situation is. And then that's when we can go seek out whatever doctor we need, whether it's a doctor, a shaman, a therapist, whatever, blah, 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 blah. There's a whole, there's a whole world out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Becky, this has been, um, this has been amazing. There's actually mm-hmm. more to your story. There's kind of like a, like a, a, um, a revisit of a part of part two of where, where things are with, uh, with you now. But I think that today's conversation, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's just really, really valuable. I think it's, a, I think the more there's so many people that are, are familiar with a lot of these different modalities. And yet mm-hmm. there may be some, somebody that is not. And again, we often mention for the newly diagnosed, when you are newly diagnosed and you're in that physician's office, you are bombarded with a whole bunch of other things I, I, from, the, from the medical mm-hmm. side. But it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Why not also explore and take this time to look into some of the things that we're talking about on ways to we're not you're not looking on ways to whatever your condition is you're not in the kitchen cooking up some some concoction in a pot that's going to (laughs) going to be your your thing you're looking at treating and caring and nurturing for um nurturing ourselves and it's so important um Mm -hmm. yeah it's and i'm I'm just so i'm so i'm so happy to see to see you doing so so well and to have come through Mm. what was a very difficult experience um, it's been, and so, so your, um, we've got, uh, we've got more that we are going to, going to explore, but for today, any last final, final thoughts or things to leave, uh, leave our listeners with? You know, Sandra, I just want to thank you so much for having me on the podcast again. And, um, you know, it's so great connecting with you. And I know that you have your own story with your arthritis. That's pretty exciting too, but I think that'd be a awesome way to have a next podcast kind of thing. But yeah, let's give an update. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very similar, very similar second parts, that's for sure. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, whoever's listening out there, just don't give up on yourself because you're worth it. You know, you, you deserve to be happy. You deserve to be healthy. And I know, I know very well how hard it is to live with disease, to live with pain, to live with not knowing what's going on and the fear but don't let that control you. Don't let that control your thoughts. You have the ability to control your own mind. You have the ability to say, yes, this sucks, but I'll get through it. I'll be okay. And there's certainly so much more to chat about with Sandra. Sandra, I just want to thank you so much for giving me the ability to talk about my story. And I really think that there's a lot of content that we just spoke about that, you know, a lot of our listeners will have the ability to take and 
apply to themselves. So I just want to thank you so much. If you want to follow her, check her out on Instagram at chronically driven and be sure to follow her podcast as well. All right, Sandra, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Sandra and I are off like a bird of turtles. <laughs> <laughs>